This podcast is presented by Rabbi Peretz Munchkin, speaking to the millennial generation. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Rabbi Peretz Podcast. I'm sitting here with uh, my good friend on Zoom, Lauren Taus. Lauren is a healer and a therapist and a and a and a and a person who works on themselves as as much as helps other people work. And we were thinking of things to learn, Jewish texts, and we chose the Tanya because the Tanya is essentially a book written by the first Chabad Rebbe about 200 years ago with its whole intention to bring healing to the individual, not to the collective, but through the individual healing comes the collective healing. And I thought, what a what a great um, topic to learn about. So we do a little bit of text and a little bit of overall study, and we're holding... Uh, we're holding a very interesting chapter. The chapter that we're holding is how do you deal with unholiness, negativity, or for that matter, just things that are benign, you know, things that like require you to make them something, right? You have like great experiences in California around food or nature and just physical abundance and pleasure. How do we turn that into something that's aligned with the greater good? And, and I think we want that. And I think that's what this chapter really was focusing on in chapter seven is like how to really switch your mindset from seeing the world as merely like, okay, the pleasure things are for there to enjoy life. And then, then and that's a pause from all the hard work done. I think the, the chapter is focusing on this idea that the hard work is turning the enjoyment of life into energy that makes the world better. Like they have to go hand in hand together. And that's a, that's a fascinating concept that the Alta Rebbe is bringing up in the time where Jews are suffering in the shtetl, in Ukraine, in Russia. Talk about timely topics. What's the Alta Rebbe talking about? He's talking about this stuff. And I was like, you know, I'm doing all these podcasts for my 40th birthday. And, uh, and I just, I realized that it's coming at a time. I'm trying to like pick up all this joy and this inspiration, but the world is dragging us into real negative places for real reasons, war, death. It's, it feels like it's in the ear in such a horrible way. And for Jewish people, it's very strong because a lot of us are from that region. A lot of us are from Russia, from Ukraine, and, uh, and went through quite a bit of uh, tsuris and challenges uh, to get out of that here to the US and to, and to move on from, from that uh, stage in life. So what was the Alta Rebbe writing around the time of also great wars, the Persian Wars? There was a seven-year war happening. The idea that these ideas were were like manifesting during that time to me is a great inspiration. And so thanks for joining and learning with me. That was a long-winded way of saying I'm like thrilled to be here learning with you. It's the highlight of my week. It's certainly something I so appreciate diving into and making all of this ancient practice, something that's alive and modern and, and uh, relevant, right? Like what on earth does this book have to do with what's going on in Russia and Ukraine? And, you know, to be honest, when I read the, the actual text, it's, it's, it's hard to understand. Um, and I look forward to your ability to break it down given the eons of study that exist in your, in your lineage and that have been in your personal life. So let's do it. So let's tell me where, how was uh, you, you read the chapter this week. Tell me what came to mind, what type of ideas came, because the way we've been doing it is you've been reading the chapter on your own. And then all the, all the parts that come up for you, those are the parts we discuss and work with. So this week, uh, what, what was coming up for you um, with, uh, with uh, this Tanya uh, chapter that we uh, were focusing on chapter seven. 
talking a lot about the animal spirit and also like dietary laws and how we're supposed to eat. And also there was conversation about pleasure and sex um, and how we're supposed to, uh, I don't even like the word supposed to, it feels problematic to me, but um, maybe we could talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but but how how to engage in ways that are really fruitful maybe that's maybe that's it like how how to how to do these things in a good way and you know as a therapist something that i'm aware of is that pleasure is often uh not something people actually experience a lot of even if their lives appear mm. hedonistic right even if their lives appear wildly indulgent like they might not actually be happy so i mean maybe that's part of the misalignment i don't know but there, there was conversation around food and sex in this chapter and animal spirit. And, you know, it's, it's, um, I'm looking forward to hearing about it from you. I mean, it's not typical talk that you think of like Hasidic ultra-Orthodox, uh, you know, um, leaders to talk about, and not, not just a leader, but a once in a, once in a millennium leader, like the Alta Rebbe, you know, focusing real time on food and sex and pleasure and, and, it has two two reasons why it's so important. The one being what you mentioned is that there are so many people who have abundance and have a life. They've chosen hedonistic reality where they chase the pleasure and they're not happy. Like it's not working. And that that's a fascinating uh, topic on its own right. How come people aren't happy when they get to uh, fulfill, quote, their heart's desire with the pleasure? And and I know I'm not sure that's what the Alter Rebbe was formally speaking to. I think he was speaking to um, a bigger idea, even which is, what's the point of pleasure in the first place? What's the point of this? Like like wh where does it fit in in our in our in our self preservation in our in our healing? Like what role does food and sex and more importantly like physical pleasure and desire? What role does it play in our life? And to say that it's merely uh, a byproduct of things we like to, we choose this or we like that or that feels better, that's like, that's a reactive way of saying that uh, I like that. But but in life, you can't just be reactive because then you're you're going to grow up and be, have this emptiness of, I'm always reacting, but what, what, but I'm here. So what am I initiating? And well, there's this. That's a really okay. good. I just want to interject there yeah, yeah, the because I mean, I find myself in reaction a lot. So often my clients are in reaction and therein lies the problem, right? There's this unconscious programming from our families, from our cultures, from the way in which we're educated. And in my opinion, miseducated that people are just sort of like doing things without being aware of it. And one of my favorite things about learning Judaism is learning that it's about the pause It's learning about the, that ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm, someone that works in consciousness with, with psychedelic medicine, that this is, it's, a, it's about mindfulness. Like there are prayers for absolutely everything, including all the food. I don't know. If, is there a prayer for sex? Actually, that's a fantastic question. I'm so glad I asked it. Well, there's rituals for it. But, okay, meaning, well, <laughs> meaning like there's a, there's a structure to how sex is, is uh, harnessed and used. Um, uh, we'll get back to that in a minute. Um, but, but the pause, a, yes, the pause, the stillness, like, the pause, the ability to like be on purpose, to be in life, to say, wow, thank you, water. I'm going to drink it now. Like, thank you, ocean. Thank you, apple. Uh, this is so much of what I, I try to do with my own life. 
And so much of what I try to do to invite my clients into practice up so that they're off their hamster wheels and in more, more presence and more, more agency and more, more empowerment in the ways in which they're living their lives. So keep going. Well, let's, well, let's, let's just backtrack a tiny bit. Like ultimately we have this infinite power. Okay. The world's created and it splits up into incredible diversity, you know, human beings and animals and, 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 and microorganisms to, to, uh, to all of life, to all of biological life and cellular life and cosmic life. It's just like this incredible burst of diversity that all started from one source. And that idea that one source can, can express itself in any form and in all these forms, that's what we know in human life as infinity. Like if I say one thing could morph into anything from a subatomic particle to, to a human being uh, of epic proportions is to say that there's infinite possibilities. So we are trying to recognize that we are a construct of infinity. And when you realize you're a construct of this infinite energy, you have different things to think about. Like my engagement with other things is also my engagement with infinity. I'm not just engaging with food. I'm not just engaging. I need to drink water and I make a blessing. And the blessing is correctly uh, summed up as thank you for the water. But the limitation is, is that thank you isn't really a thing, right? Is somebody could say, thank you. And you're just like, okay, I don't need that. Thank you. I, I, I need more. It's because thank you in Jewish tradition is hoda'at, acknowledgement. You know, in modern Hebrew, it's toda, thank you. But even toda comes from what? Hoda'a, which means a form of acknowledgement of a greater essence. It's more like gratitude than it is, you know, thankfulness. And what's the difference ultimately between thanking and, and, and grateful? It's Thanking is, thank you for sharing some of your essence with me. Grateful is, I'm grateful that infinity has expressed itself in a way that we're interacting. The interaction is not meaningless. There's this like idea that, that is deeply seated in all of Jewish life is that there is no part of your life that isn't an interaction with infinity. And thus, it's purposeful. And that's, that's, a, that's, that's astonishing. I mean, see, this is why I love talking to you. Every interaction is an interaction with infinity. Every, every, every interaction. That's some far out stuff. I mean, that's some psychedelic stuff. Now you have not experienced psychedelics and this is my world, right? And I So tell me, why is it psychedelic stuff? You've mentioned that to me before. Explain, give me a little richer ideas of what you mean by that. Well, when an individual engages in psychedelic medicines, whether they be plant or compound, often there's an experience of interacting with infinity. There's an experience of interacting with and feeling oneself as part of the divine. There can be experiences of like a love that, that's never been felt or touched or known before. In fact, the, the two experiences that generally translate in the therapeutic space into the most positive treatment outcomes are experiences of the divine wow. and experiences of love. Now I've had many of, of both. And I can tell you that those have deeply, deeply changed how I conduct myself, experience myself, and engage with myself and other people on the planet. My, my, it's, it's wildly transformed my relationship with, with myself, with my parents, with, with planet Earth. 
and has given me an ability to fully celebrate the success and love of others. Like we were talking last week about parallel realities and how, sure, when I see someone experiencing something that I want, namely love, marriage, pregnancy, or even business success, there might, there's a tiny, tiny twinge of jealousy, but mostly I'm like, yeah, and I feel closer to it. And the psychedelic realm, by the way, the word psychedelic simply means mind expanding, mm. right? So can you expand your mind to understand, can you expand your spirit to understand that this is, that we are part of infinity, that, that we are part of all that was, is, and ever will be, like, and, and literally an experiential reference point. It's not an intellectual or cognitive exercise. So wow. you tell me every interaction is, is, uh, is an interaction with the, with the, the infinite. And I'm like, yeah. And, and it's, and, it's, and it's, it's better, it's better to call God infinity because mm-hmm. for us in today's day and age, it's important to like recognize that there's no limitations to relationship and connecting with God. But the word God has become a limited anthropomorphic version of infinity. And as soon as you anthropomorphize infinity, it's not infinity anymore. It's finite. And that's that's literally the most ridiculous thing to do to infinity is call it finite. Like, like what happens when somebody takes psychedelics in, a, in an uncontrolled environment and they take it too much and it just becomes like the only way to live? I mean, you're a therapist. You, you, you experience the dark side of it too. The dark side is, is that... It, it's, it's, you take infinity and you create finitude, you make it limited. And that's, that's the tragedy of, of life more than anything is making the infinity and abundance that's in this world into a limited finite uh, deal. And that's what people do accidentally because even the ones who do it intentionally, they're bad. It's an accident because they're only expressing the fact that they're limited instead of expressing that they're interacting with unlimited and infinity. So perhaps that's that's the simplest fix is uh, calling God higher reality is one way. The other way is just calling God infinity. If you can, you know, open your mind to that uh, idea that like, when somebody says, I believe in God, just take that out and say, I believe in infinity, that there's infinite energy. So, so for me, and this is, we're getting away from Tanya and we, we got to get into it a little oh, bit. I, I see it coming right back. It's coming. Good, good, good. But see, for me, one of my, my sort of problems with, with religion, okay. Um, and, and I mean, Judaism is, is much more than religion, obviously. And simultaneously, it's a set of practices. It's a set of beliefs. It's a, it's a value system. It's uh there, there's a lot going on there. There's, and, and how do you, like, if God, if, if God is infinite, how how is it that only like one could be have have like the the access to like truth more than another? I think that's a that's that that's the broad question that I think comes up specifically for Jews in our generation who don't have like an innate connection to being a chosen people for good or for bad. They don't feel um, like their life is better because they're Jewish necessarily, or they don't feel like their life is good at all. But being Jewish is actually a hindrance. But, you know, those in our small moments, last Friday, I was driving back to learn Tanya with you from dropping my kid off at school. And on the way back, like there was this person in front of me that clearly was not on this road. You know, every morning I'm at the same time, there's all the same cars. It's pretty fascinating. And there was a car that wasn't there and they decided last second to take a left and I nicked them. 
And, and like, and you know, I pulled over to the side right away and I was like, are you okay? Uh, I, you know, I'm sorry about that. And there was not, no damages. Everything was fine. And she came out and she's like, oh, you're Jewish? Okay, I know you're not just trying to get away with it over here. And I was like, wow, here's somebody who had a good Jewish experience and it's cultivating. I thought that was a moment of engaging with infinity where it's like, oh, my Jewishness has allowed me to be part of like positive interaction. As crazy as it sounds, just a little moment and it's not such a special story and it's just, it's just what it is. In other words, each person needs to have moments from their background, from who they are, that include connection to the infinity. The Jewish one tells an exclusive story about Judaism because it's through the lens of a lot more, let's go sifting through um, 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 little finite moments. In other words, the Jewish people are like timekeepers of finite moments with the divine and with, and with people who considered themselves divine. You know, all cultures had this archaic a way of seeing themselves as there's a hierarchy. There's kings and queens and they rule and royal families and royal blood. And the Jewish people are like, actually, we're just going to call our whole nation that, you know? We're just going to call anybody who's Jewish kings and queens and, and, uh, and, and royalty. How come? Because our job is to engage constantly in that level of mind. Our minds need to be free like and feel like a king is both free. They have, quote, they're the top of the heap but they're also totally dependent on their relationship that they have with the world outside of them. And that's ultimately what a Jew is. A Jew is supposed to see themselves as on the one hand, I'm, I have this beautiful culture and this rich history and a wealth and abundance of spirituality. But at the same time, like my action matters. Like if I behave well, people are inspired. Look, this Jew, he doesn't mean to harm me. How many more stories are there if somebody meets a Jew and is like, oh, it's a Jew, he's gonna, he's gonna be negative to me or, 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 or separate. So there's this like acknowledgement from the Alta Rebbe here in Tanya that when you engage with the infinity and all actions that we do are through the lens of engaging with infinity, there's this idea that like you're going to also find that engagement with people who don't see the world that way or may even see you as a hindrance to their well-being. And how do you deal with this layer in between us wanting to live in this, let's call it messianic, but this infinity mindset? of everything is an engagement in this depth and every stage of life is incredible and engaging with this incredible moments. And then the practical reality that I'm constantly engaging in a world that speaks to the limitations of the world and speaks to the the, the construct of, of survival of the fittest. And the, there's only one pie and I'm gonna make you get the smallest piece of it. And it's good for you because you know, you don't deserve more of that. And, and this monopoly mindset of capitalism, um, it, it's, it's, we're, we're, we're in such a strong period of time that re-engaging with the infinity to me is such an important conversation because it, it asks you whether or not the things you seek and the things you search are for the betterment of your life. And by that, the personal redemption narrative of you living in this fluid open space, we said open mind, or you living in constraint and struggling to, to get through your day. And even though you have everything you want and you live in the most wonderful place in the world, you're still sitting there feeling stressed and squeezed by your own, by your own inhibitions. So this is really a very modern way of saying the Alta Rebbe is talking to us. I don't know what his community was doing with this intelligence, but we are the ones now with like, we have the deep engagement daily. We have more engagement with limited things 
than we do with infinity. We have to learn to start seeing infinity in the limited because that's what we're engaged in. Our work has taken up so much of our life. Our, our, our pursuit of travel and, and pleasure is so available to us Americans. Like, at what point do we realize that it's just an opportunity to engage with a higher reality and with infinity? And when we do, we opened our mind to how infinite we are and how much beauty we possess and how the world actually can reach a state of harmony and beauty. So that, that I think it's a very um, provocative way of saying that sex could be that. Good food could be that. You love good wine, it could be that. It doesn't really matter what your, your deep-seated need for pleasure is. They can be they can be turned inside out and seen as another way to engage with the infinity. And that's what would also mean like if you, if you, the Alter Rebbe goes in, if you engaged with something without this mindset, well, it's kind of in limbo. The energy is in limbo. It's waiting for you to make your next move. You eat an incredible meal or you have a partner and you have an incredible sex life. Right when you're done, whatever it is you're doing, the question is, okay, now what do you do? Because you've integrated. You've taken the energy. You've taken the moment. What happens now to that moment? It doesn't just stay where you are. It either expands into the, your view of infinity or it gets controlled into finitude. It's like I go out on an amazing vacation and all I could think about is my life sucks. That <laughs> instead of like, instead of like going somewhere and like expanding how like you're part of this incredible world. And, and the people who live here on vacation, for them, it's just life. And when they come visit you, they go, wow, what a world you get to live in. And when you expand your mind that way, you just, you have this open-mindedness that you did not have before. And this is what the Alta Rebbe is advocating over here. There's a lot of rules around how to do it. Well, you, you said before, what was the word you said you didn't like? Um, supposed to, right? Yeah. Rules. Yeah. So, so I think there's a, a um, the the real reason why we learn this together is to figure out what are the things that hold us back from integrating this type of beautiful knowledge. And sometimes it's like, oh, I see you. You need me to follow these rules in order to reach that. Well, it turns out that it's not really rules. It's really a prescription to to find that way. Ultimately, this book is about a sustainable form of growth. And and beauty and 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 captivating uh, your senses to be a vehicle for this growth and this beauty. So because of that, it's like you know the old mindset was psychedelics, for example, were a limited thing because they get you there and then and then what? In other words, there well, there are quick. I mean, I, I, that's where integration comes. Yes, that's you know, what like I want to talk about. My experiences with these things has been done in such a way that I, I really effort to, to practice what I, I experience and to bring it into my life in the here now, in this dimension, right? Like the idea is not to be out there, but rather to be here and to be here, to be present. And what, and what is the main struggle you see with your clients and your and, and in your practice that people have in integrating these we'll incredible, a- powerful psychedelic experiences into their daily life? I mean, the rubber band of character snaps people back to old ways fast. And people are in misguided self-defense, which often looks like depression. You know, someone who's who's depressed is often angry and the anger's not been allowed. 
there's a lot of that. There's, there's uh, isolation. We suffer from that separation from self authenticity. People are so like deeply entrenched into people pleasing that they can't really express themselves. Their truths were maybe not allowed in their homes, right? The, the developmental stages of like early life are still with people much, much, much later in their lives in their seventies. And, you know, I, I see people really struggling with a lot of contempt for self, a lot of self-hatred. And, you know, I've been able so to- So what type of tools do you give them for integration? Depends on the person and depends on what they experience, what needs to be practiced, right? I mean, I, I really like doing a lot of um, inner child work and, and parts work. You know, and, you know, we've talked, I've talked to you about the, the inner mean girl, like the inner judge that we have and like, what does that part of you need? And how can it be, how can you take care of these parts? Uh, even like a suicidal part that, that comes up. Okay. Like it seems for some people, all the suffering is so overwhelming that it's nice to think about not being here. I get that. And instead of like shaming and blaming it, it's like, how do we work with that and calm it down so that it, it doesn't have to be front and center? Um, yeah. So did you, what, what stuck out from this chapter about what would be the right, integration in this chapter? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Cause I feel there was subtle, we're going to go out of that length later on, but there were some subtle ideas here. You know, the son of the guy who wrote the Tanya, the second Chabad Rebbe, he wrote a book called Tractate on Ecstasy. And his book was about how sustainable ecstasy, that feeling can happen if you open what he called the pineal, the third yeah. eye, the pineal gland. And he was saying that the whole idea of Chabad Hasidus or this philosophy is to open it without substances. And I thought a lot about that because by reading that and learning that, I was like, First, you're thinking like, oh, people doing it with substances, that's the shortcut. Then you're thinking like, when he says no substances, it doesn't mean nothing. We we all live on substances. We eat, we drink. They all have chemical effects on us. Even regular food has tremendous chemical effect on how we feel and how we feel that day, let alone in the moment. So it's more about sustainability of he's advocating not for not to have big, deep experiences, but to be able to focus on something very specific that you could meditate on regularly and expand. And mm -hmm. that idea here is, is that ultimately the, when you feel infinity or you feel like a, a direct moment of pleasure that in that moment, everything is the way it's supposed to be. You're, you're connected to a version of love that is, that is extreme. It's extreme love. It's extraordinary. And so, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Say your thoughts. This is this is for you. I, mean, I don't. I mean, I don't know if I misunderstood this chapter. This this is dense content. I remember when you shared with me about this this beautiful text in the desert, and you said, you know, it's it needs to be learned, needs to be studied, and maybe you could get it. You're smart, but like it's a lot, and it's a lot. Um, you know, my read of this was also like, you know, also included like masturbation, and when people are allowed to like pleasure themselves, and like. When like what the there's there's some sort of uh, negative energy or something that comes about when there's uh, when, when there's release of seed just for for nothing, and right. there's conversations around like I mean they essentially talk about kashrut and like the energies of the foods and this and that and like I don't know I mean th these are radical thoughts like I, I I think that there's so much shame also in the field of sex and sexuality mm. and, and I, I really want to also support people and not feeling ashamed you know in my right. mind some of the fields where people are like most poorly educated are the fields in which people are almost 
all participating, which is sex and drugs. And, you know, to add more shame to the body, like I'm not really into that. And like, there's a, the, the field of sex and sexuality is very, very, very like a tender field that's explosive. There's a lot of harm that happens there. A lot of harm that happens in the like not talking and silence and the like, you know, and even the rules, like people who have like oppressive rules sometimes like act out in ways that are pretty extreme uh, when they're not allowed to express or connect with themselves and their bodies in a way. So um, I don't want to talk, I'm, I'm curious like about that too. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the beauty here is, is that in order for this to work, it has to be broken down to the specifics, yeah. right? And, and the specifics of the type of food you want to eat, uh, um, and, uh, and the, or, or masturbation or sex that's quote outside of, of, of what seems to be the standard, uh, biblical monogamous, you know, specific relationship. I think the first thing here is is about how you take control of your energy is also how you see infinity. This is, this is such a big part of this conversation. In other words, somebody who masturbates for pleasure, it's not that inherently they're doing something wrong or bad. It's that they are not seeing what the, what the infinity that they can relate to it's possible. In other words, it's like in the same sentence that he talks about masturbation technically is not, or it's called spilling seed where you're not having full control of your energy. He also talks about like, actually that you can fix it. You can repent by just, uh, at saying night, right. Saying Shema. So you're like, wait a second. It, how bad could this be? If all I have to do at night is do a meditation on Shema and, uh, and I'm good now. Like, is it, it doesn't sound like even a Jewish thing. Like what, because the cause and reaction here isn't the physical concept that you're doing that makes you evil. It, you're not inherently evil at all. You just have energy that when it goes in directions that are unharnessed, an unharnessed direction is you're not doing it for anything other than just, I need respite right now in the moment. You are now on the pendulum of misusing your incredible power. And by misusing, we don't mean that, oh, how am I supposed to know? By the way, you're supposed to make mistakes in order to know where your energy goes. So it's like misusing is not like you're being bad. What are you supposed to know? Uh, people are doing it that you're right. You have to remove shame because if there's shame involved with it, then it's like, then you start thinking you have no redemption or like you're just limited and you can't really grow from this experience. Think about um, uh, learning this for the first time at 14 years old in yeshiva and you're like, that's it, I'm doomed. You know, I'll never make it. But then there's like, no, actually, Shema is a meditation on intention and perception and what it means to like, like to not be obedient and instead see the world as like widening my perception of reality. It's sort of like today, pornography is the biggest business and, and it's, and it's awful because it's not this educational woke experience, pornography is about the end of it, the orgasm, the like what you're supposed to feel. And that's not really what sex is. Sex is intimacy and bonding and connection. And I, I, you can tell me if it's otherwise, but people who have many, many relationships, it's much harder to then find one and totally zone into that person. But it doesn't mean that if you had many relationships, it didn't open up a new side of you that you could have never found before and then also have an even deeper relationship. All roads lead to infinity if you're headed in that direction. So this idea that something is wrong versus not has a lot more to do with how you're harnessing your journey. 
And every time we stop and 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 sit with this finite limited expression, we then now have to totally recalculate the data of who we are and how we then reach our goals of growth and and maximizing our time and joy and life on earth. And and I think it's it's very appropriate to say that masturbation as a whole is not going to get you to where you want to go in life. It's not going to enhance your intimacy. You know, this is like um the idea that a couple in Jewish tradition, you said, you said, is there a blessing around sex? Well, it kind of is. It's called the mikvah. And, 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 and every time you restart your sex cycle in marriage and you go to the mikvah and you say a blessing at the mikvah, you're essentially saying like, I need to treat sex as rebirthing. Like a re, I'm not tapping into the orgasm. I'm tapping into the energy that it takes to create the world. That when God created the world, he created it with pleasure. He didn't create the world with with uh, with uh, e- with a judgment. He didn't create the world with truth. Even we're supposed was, to have pleasure. It's that is the seed of creation. That's why we experience that in sex because sex is a creative tool. You create a world every time you're intimate, a world with your spouse, and a world with the, uh, and, and and a micro world that you live in. And that's what pleasure is. It's a creation of a space. You eat something incredibly pleasure in that moment. Why come when you eat, it takes you back to places? It's because there's a world created by pleasure. Why? Because God created the world with pleasure. That's the deepest mystical idea that the initial expression of a world was pleasure. And where does it happen? In the thought. It happens in thoughts. Because thoughts is where the first sense of pleasure is. Like, I know the food that's coming. I, I I can taste it already. I can see what she looks like. I can feel. I can I can imagine what this feels like. Those are such powerful pleasure frequencies that if you just use it for the orgasm or you use it for I, I'm just doing it for myself. Forget shame. There's just a, a limited factor now to how I can get how I can incorporate that into the data that is me and see that as growth. If you can. Congratulations, you know, but for the Alta Rebbe, he's saying like create a roadmap for yourself that the the pleasure that you seek comes from food that's really sustainable. And what does it mean sustainable? Like it's part of like celebration and holidays and days and Shabbat and and it's part of engaging with others, it, meaning it's not just food for I need to eat. I need to sustain myself. And same thing with sex, even such a more powerful experience. So that's really, I think, just some just some outside like like ideas to use for what Alta Rebbe is saying. And it makes so much sense that at night you could repair so much about your life with Shema, because saying Shema means Shema Yisrael. Listen, Yisrael. Who's Yisrael? Yisrael is Lee Rosh. It's my head. It's my highest part of myself. It's like tapping into like the best version of myself. And it's like Shema Yisrael. Turn on your highest level of perception. Open up your mind. Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. God is infinity. That's what that line is. And by saying that and meditating on that as you go to sleep, what you're saying is, I had many moments of the day that I got stuck in finitude and finite limited spaces. It happens. That's who we are. But as I go to sleep and I go into a place of infinity beyond my control, into dreams and rest and rejuvenation, I tap back into actually it's all infinity. It's all, we're all from this energy of nothingness 
and infinite possibility and ultimate potential. And when you tap into that, there's real healing happening over here. Hmm. Lots to think about. A lot to tap into this beautiful infinity. I have so many more questions and I'm so grateful that I have the, the, the direct conduit and access to uh, a good source in you to, to keep breaking them down. Um, there's a lot more, more here and I'm so, there's a lot to think about though. And I, and I hope everyone is, is as buzzy as I am with infinite and pleasure and creation and consciousness and (laughs) theism. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being on and, uh, and I appreciate it. Shabbat Shalom, Lauren. Till next week. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, parents.